Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick, and apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. All right, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Hey wife, did you know that Anchor is sponsoring our show? Really? Don't we use Anchor to distribute our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts? Yeah, and we are on just about every other platform available as well, thanks to them. Why do we use Anchor as our podcasting service? Well, they make editing and distributing our show a breeze. What if one of our listeners wants to start their own podcast? Then they should head over to Anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Awesome! You guys should go do that right now! Husband! Wife! It's the Sacrilegious Book Club! Awesome! 
and we are talking about Asimov's Guide to the Bible in our continuing journey through the book of Genesis. In the Asimov's Guide to the Bible. Yes. That, yeah, the book club thing. The book club. Okay. Yes. So you ready to go book club it up? Yeah, we're doing pages 33 through 48. All right, let's do this. Okie dokie. Okay, so we are picking up with um, Cain and Abel. Okay. Okay, that's our first section starting on page 33. Those loving brothers, got it. Loving brothers. <laughs> so the word Cain comes from the Hebrew Cain, which means smith. Okay. As in metalsmith. Okay. As in workersmith. Sure. Okay. And... Um, the word Abel comes from the Hebrew hebel or hebel, which means a puff of air. And I'll get to that in a minute, of the difference between the two. Sure. Okay? okay. So Cain was a farmer, okay? Right. And he um, was also a smith, a metal smith. I did not know that. I did not either. But um, for the sake of knowing that, let, let's say that we did know that. Okay. And... Obviously, smiths are necessary for uses in metals, in ornamentation, and for weapons for hunting and warfare. Killing brothers. Killing brothers. Right. No, he killed him with a stone, didn't he? I think so, but still. Right. Um, artisans and positions of honor and importance um, were granted to smiths. Yeah. They were like uber importante. Okay? So... Um, Something else that we should know is, I'm going to get into this a little bit more later. Okay. That um, a lot of these names of the the kids and the begats and whatever, yeah, they're actually less about people and more about lands and groups of peoples. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, Tubal Cain is one of Cain's eventual sons yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, what that actually meant was the Smith of Tubal, which is a oh. district in Asia Minor. Interesting. Okay. And um, they produced superior weapons and were likely the founders of metallurgy, that area. Huh. Okay. okay? Um, now, remember I said Abel means a puff of air? Yeah. So we've got a Smith, which is a city... Um, kind of skill right right um settled and all that yeah civilization right versus the briefness and instability of the nomadic way of life oh. against the steady push so of the Cain and Abel is kind of like a story of the rise of the city essentially the rise of the city versus the nomadic. nomads yeah right because Abel was a herdsman he okay. was a nomad okay okay yeah so you're following where I'm going here right right so we've got the farmer versus the nomad and these histories were written from the perspective of the peaceful farmers and city dwellers yeah okay okay versus the nomads who were ruthless and bloodthirsty barbarians and raiders obviously right yeah so Cain's jealousy of Abel is likely in part quote, a remnant of some nomadic lament over the all-encroaching tentacles 
of settled civilization. Okay. End quote. Okay. okay? Um, the example that he gave, that Asimov gave in the book was to think of the Wild West cowboys versus right. the fenced-in farmers. Yeah. And that even, like, brought to mind that song, Don't Fence Me In. Right, right. Right? Um, now, to bring it even further, um, I was trying to think of some modern-day examples of what this might be. Yeah. Hollywood versus Wall Street, right? We've got Hollywood is the wild versus, you know... Wall Street is about the money and, and settled down, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Or art degrees versus the stable careers. Definitely, yeah. The business degree versus the, the um, right. uh, liberal arts degree. Exactly, sure. yeah. exactly. Right? So those are things that you might compare the two. Right. And, and Just for the record, I'm a fan of the liberal arts degree. Oh, same here, same here. <laughs> but... It's very, I don't want to say controversial, but in many families it is controversial. Our own child is suffering that. In our yeah. household, um, our child wants to pursue a, not just a degree, but a career in the arts as a digital artist or illustrator. Right. And um, their their father at their other family house um, yeah. want them to go into business and to get a more stable career. Yeah. So or join the army. Or well, that's just saying that was brought up. That was brought up, but that's not pertinent to this conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying like the these things still have a way of of existing through time. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that was um section number 10, Cain and Abel. Moving on number 11 is Nod. Okay. Starting on page 34. Yeah. So, Cain murders Abel, and then he goes on to dwell in the metaphorical land of Nod. Right. Which is east of Eden. Of course. Right. Yeah. Don't forget, Eden is not a garden. It's a city in which the garden dwells. Right, right. Okay? So, Nod is Hebrew for wanderer. Again. again nomad. Right. Right? Yep. So, it's funny because um, Cain was the farmer... The subtle guy, then he became a nomad. Right. In the land of Odd. And that that's kind of ironic, right? Is Right, but I mean I guess because he killed his brother, his punishment was to become what his brother was, essentially, right? right? Exactly. Exactly. So, or whatever. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. You know. Yeah. So And Eden, of course, is likely Sumeria. Um, okay. east of Eden, then the, the city, yeah. the, the area, would be Elam, which is southwestern Iran today. Okay. Okay. Right. Yep. The story of Cain and Abel is likely a combination of, quote, a villainous Elam attacking a blameless Sumeria. Of course. As told by the Sumerians. Yeah. And a villainous farmer, represented by Cain, attacking a blameless nomad represented by Abel, right. as told by the nomads. I mean, it's like any other story. You teach the people history, and, and when, when it's all spoken word, right, you teach mm -hmm. them history by metaphorical, easy-to-grasp mm -hmm. concepts. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so you, you, you break it down to an individual level, and it's much easier to explain why this is good and why this is bad sure. and, and keep things very surface as far as what you're teaching so. i mean we we do that still today um we give metaphors um to try to like like what i just did right literally with the liberal arts versus sure the make it more relevant for who you're talking to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or whatever right exactly even for yourself 
Yeah. Because if it's well, easier for you we, to describe something this way than that way, then, you know, you do it that way. So Exactly. We try to make it more simple for a general and broad audience. And we even do that with math and word problems. Sure. Yeah. So, okay, that's that section. Moving on to section number 12, which is Enoch of Cain, starting on page 35. Okay. Okay. So, even though Cain was a farmer and then became a nomad, eventually he settled, married, and had a son, Enoch. Right. Okay? Yeah. And through Enoch, Cain had many descendants. Yes. Not going to get into those right now. Right, right. Will eventually, probably. Beget, beget. Beget, beget, right. (laughs) Um, likewise, or perhaps the basis of the Cain legend, pastoral Elam gave way to civilization. Right. I mean, as, as does. Sure. So. Yep. You know, Pocahontas eventually married John Smith. Well, I mean, like, how do you, how do you give the oral dissertation of, and the world became, you know, like. Exactly. And especially in a time when you didn't have the internet, you didn't have. Even written word, many most most of the time. I mean, there was Sumerian cuneiform, cuneiform, yeah, right. Um, but I mean, there wasn't much tracking of anything, right? You know, I so. mean, we're going to get into much more of that here in just a little mm-hmm. bit, sure. Um, but but that's Enoch of Cain, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Next section thirteen, Seth, which starts again on page thirty-five. Okay. I mean, that was Adam's third son. Got it. So he had Cain and Abel, and then he had Seth. Right, right. Okay. Now, Adam supposedly lived 930 years. Damn. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Obviously. These ages are part of the tales picked up during the Jews' Babylonian exile. Okay? Okay. So all of these um, were modified by the priests as part of the peace strand. As part oh. Remember the priestly... The times, the amount that the people lived, mm-hmm. they were modified by the peace strand, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because, um, I'm going to get into this more in a little bit, but a lot of these were Sumerian stories. Oh, okay. That were um, then picked up and corrected and modified by the priestly strands. And a lot of okay. these stories, we have to take not as how they were originally told or even as how they were originally gathered into writing. Right. We have to take how they were interpreted by the priestly hands that put them down. Wow. Okay. Okay. That has to do with geography. That has to do with the politics of the time. Right. Everything that we read in the Bible must be viewed through that context. I just, I, just listening to just these first couple of chapters of this book, it mm-hmm. strikes me that if you are going to be a Christian or or Jewish or whatever, right, mm-hmm. that your church service, your pastor, should be more of a historian mm-hmm. than a than a. Uh, feel good fucker up there in front of you because yeah. like there's so much to understand exactly. and interpret about this that you if you really are digging into this mm-hmm. you should be really fucking digging into this you and should. they don't well it never occurred to me that these stories were <clears throat> a gathered from multiple sources I, I, I kind of knew that right, I, I, right. that kind of makes sense but more that the stories are not to be viewed as they were originally told, but through the people who actually, and not even through the people who told them, and not through the people who gathered them and wrote them down, but 
the way we need to view them is through the people who put the most emphasis on molding them. Right. Because it would have been based on their understanding. Yeah. That to me is insane. Yeah. And that's where we get a lot of the geography from. Um, it's their understanding of geography. Right. Not the people from who preceded thousands them. thousands of fucking years ago. Right. But even at that, it's not from the people who preceded them. Right. Who no, came there was before this them. point in time at yeah. some point yeah. that formed the entire idea of what the Bible is. And it didn't come from exactly, it didn't come from exactly before the Bible and it didn't come from after the Bible. Right. It was just whatever they perceived it to be. At that one point in time. That's crazy. That's and, crazy. And, and obviously, and, and also it got rewritten from them and mistranslated. Sure. So, like, on top of that, right? On top like, of that. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, indeed. <laughs> so, um, the P-strand. Um, during. I just can't. Every time you say P-strand. I, I know. you got to think for a minute. Yeah. The, the, the P-bit. The, P, the priestly bit. The priestly bit. Yeah. Um, during the Middle Ages, the Jews calculated the date of creation specifically <laughs> as October 7th, 3761 BCE. Okay? Really? Yeah. The, okay. During the Middle Ages, they How, came up with what, that. Why? Um, they came up with it based on um, different dates. Not dates, but ages of people that were given yeah. in the Bible. Oh, and... so they're basing this on the Bible. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. Obviously. No, no, no. I'm, I'm yeah. just... Because I, I feel like that the people that were alive before that might have some questions for them. Right. To, right. What the fuck, man? <laughs> so, so that specific date is still used in calculating the years of the Jewish calendar. So the current year, which is 2022, yeah. would be... Um, the year 5,782. I like that a lot better. Right? I, I mean, no, you know what? We're not that fucking advanced. I'm sorry. No, no. We don't, we don't get the the number 5,000. No. We, we barely started <laughs> evolving after the, after the, you know, 2000s. Exactly. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, fuck off. Um, but I just found it interesting that that year is still what's used on Jewish calendars. Yeah. Today. Right. I think that we should start, like, this is all BCE, and we should start the zero day at when we abolish a religion. That <laughs> would be amazing. That would be fucking amazing. I'm just saying, like, you know. So Christian theologians date creation as occurring at 9 a.m. on October 23rd in 4004 BCE. And that's where you get people like my dad who are... Young Earth creationists who believe that the planet itself is only 6,000 years old. Oh, my God. Despite the many, many traces of things that we found that show the Earth is actually millions of years old. On October 23rd mm-hmm. at 9 a.m. At 9 a.m. Okay. And I'm I not just, sure where that time came I from. I love it. I love it. They've got it down to a fucking mm-hmm. hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's one, two, awesome. three, go. Right? Yeah. Everything was created. One, two, three, go. That's amazing. I, it just doesn't like that doesn't even sit logically in my brain. Like no. I can't even, I can't even like pretend to make that work. I know that people do. I just don't understand it. Like I don't get it. I 
don't even want to have a conversation because it starts with a profound lack of science and right, yeah. education. Like if you say that to me, I just I laugh and then I go, oh, oh, you were for real. Exactly. Like you, you, exactly. You actually believe that. Right. Oh. Right. We've got vast. There, there's worlds. We're worlds apart. I'm sorry, but you need to go away. <laughs> well, like we were at my parents' house for dinner um, several weeks ago, and um, I asked my dad, who, when I was a child, was very interested in science. Right. And we would read science magazines, and we would talk about space, and the probability or potential likelihood of life having developed on other planets. Right. And asking the question, what does life actually mean scientifically and biologically? Sure. How would we know it if we saw it? It's, I mean... Very intense scientific questions. I, I, I wish I would have met these parents of yours that you Back grew then. up with. Yeah, right, right. But yeah, and so I was talking to my dad about the recent um, UFO findings and yeah. reports that have been released from the Pentagon and <laughs> and the um, pilots that have come on record finally yeah. as saying yes, there are things in the sky that they don't understand yet. Right, and all of that, and my dad poo-poos all of that and says, well, I'm a young earth creationist, so I don't believe in any okay. of that. L- let me just stop that right there, because <laughs> at the very, it's one thing to defend religion, right? Mm-hmm. But like to not even, okay, let's say you believe in the young earth creationist and you don't believe in aliens, you don't believe in any of that stuff. We're the center of the fucking goddamn universe, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But couldn't you at the very least be like, yeah, that's so weird. I, it's probably like the Russians coming up with, like, Something. can't you just give it some sort of an acknowledgement that it's out? Like, you don't have to, like, immediately jump to, I believe none of it because I am a young earth creationist. Well, that's my, my face kind of fell because, A, I was disappointed. Like, God, we can't even talk about this. Right. Holy shit. Right. But then I was like, but what is the age of the planet have to do with whether or not there are things in the sky we don't understand. And I'm not here to say for a fact aliens exist, period, the end. Fuck, maybe since the creation of Earth, maybe God got bored. I mean, we haven't really seen him around and he went and started life on some other fucking planet, you know? I don't know. I... I'm not even saying that, okay? I'm just <laughs> Clearly, saying. I'm just saying. Because I don't believe in God. Right. No, I'm just... I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing that out there, like, as a possible explanation like, as to why there could be aliens, right? I just didn't right? understand what one had to do with the other. Nothing. What does the age of the Earth have to do with if there are things flying in the sky that we can't explain as of yet? Nothing. We being the average American, not... Um, People with a lot more scientific knowledge or right. top secret clearances sure. or potential aliens. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Right, okay? right, right. So, yeah, that was just a strange conversation. Yeah. I, yeah. And and heartbreaking. Right. Because um, you, you realize that parent that you knew is, is dead and gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm no, no offense. I'm no, just, it's you know, true. Like, um, I have two sets of parents. Um, there's... The people that I knew when I was was a child who were very cruel but believed in science. And then there's the ones that I know now who are very kind but very religious and horribly scientifically ignorant and right. anti-vax. And it's a weird juxtaposition. It is very... I'm not sure which I prefer. I, right. Most <laughs> days, I think the abusive parents 
might be better because at least they believed in science. Right. And why am I in that position of having to ask myself? It's a, it's a big mind fuck. It is a big mind fuck. So, okay, moving on. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Section number 14, Enoch yeah. of Seth. Okay. Starting on page 36. All right. Okay. So we've got 10 generations of Adam through Seth that are listed. Okay. And um, these are where we start to get into these children that are listed are actually different people. Oh, okay. okay? All right. Or not people. I'm sorry. Lands and uh, people. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So the antediluvian patriarchs. Sure. Can you suss out what that means? Antediluvian. Not anti. Antediluvian. Meaning... Um, post flood, oh, patriarchs will be the leaders of tribes. Okay, okay, so yeah, like yeah. A, a, the diluvian era would be the flood era. Got it. Okay, okay, because you know, diluvian. You know, got it. Yeah. Okay, so think think of the word deluge. You know, got flooded. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, and I'm sorry, I said post, but I meant pre. Ante diluvian would be pre flood heads of tribe. Okay. Okay. Yep. So Seth and Cain lines have similar names. So um, it is suggested that perhaps these are a combination of the J and P strands. Okay. Um, because they they have very overlapping titles. Got it. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. Got so it. So we're going to go with. That was just a bad recording of two different stories. Got it. Okay. Yep. So the long lives are likely from Sumerian legends. Remember I said that? Yep. And the writers of this section of the Bible cut down the ages to a more believable length over time. time. Wow. So... More um, believable. They, they're more, not very fucking believable. But they're, the Sumerian people stories... The people lived for thousands of years. I mean, I just so, don't really see the difference between well, thousands versus... Well, no. What they did know. was they cut down these earliest ones to uh, about a thousand years, right? right and right. then you notice that each generation... Got a little smaller. The people got a little smaller and smaller and smaller, yeah. lived up until, you know, where they're more believable. Sure. That's what I meant. Okay. Okay. Right. They cut them down over time, over the generations. I got it. Okay. I got it. So what's interesting is that Jared, um, which is one of the descendants here. Yeah. Um, he lived 962 years. Got okay? it. Mm-hmm. You remember Adam lived almost a thousand years, right? Yep. yep. So Jared's son Enoch lived 365 years, whereas Enoch's son Methuselah lived 969 years. So okay. we went to... A thousand was Adam, and then um, we went. Um, Jared was nine sixty two. Enoch was three sixty five, and then we went back up. I just to assume Methuselah. maybe he got like murdered or fell off a cliff or something. No, 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 or... no. What happened was it. It is suspected that maybe since Enoch um, was between two long lived peoples, yeah, um, that. 365 is an interesting, odd number. Like, what do we think of when... A year. We, right. The cycle of the sun, right? Yeah, right. Is it 
circles the earth. Yeah. So it's suggested that perhaps this is like the remnants of some Babylonian sun myth. Oh, that okay. That kind of a little bit made it into the Bible. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, the post-exilic Jews, meaning after the Babylonian exile, believed yeah. that Enoch was taken alive into heaven for his piety. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to have been very, God is great, God is good. And so God loved him so much that he took him early, but he took him alive. So Enoch Got it. never died. Got it. He just, he's still alive, right? Sure. He's considered a prophet. And so while he was in heaven, Enoch saw past of future of past and future of mankind. Mm-hmm. And he wrote books that didn't make it into the Bible. Oh, damn. Okay. Okay. Enoch's prophecies are going to be mentioned at some point in the New Testament in the book of Jude. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Right? Huh. So. That sounds um, like a great name for something. Enoch's prophecies. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a good name for a book of the Bible. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, just <laughs> Enoch, or the prophecy of Enoch. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Um, and again, his son Methuselah lived 969 years. I know I've said that a couple times sure. now. But Methuselah itself has become synonymous with long-lived. Got it. So, like, when you hear the name Methuselah attributed to anything, you understand that now to mean... This dude, this is somebody or something that lived a really long time. Got it. Okay. So the number of years is kind of irrelevant. Okay. Okay. Yep. So next section, number 15, Ararat, page 38. Okay. Okay. So this is where we start getting into Noah. Got it. Okay. Noah was born about 1,056 years after the creation. Okay. And that's, again, based on... According to them... Genesis, or I'm sorry, the most of the people that were had just died from the first round of people. Right, exactly, so, exactly. They, they, Adam just missed visiting with Noah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like based no, on based true. on time frames here. It's true. It's so, true. Okay. So at about 600, at about age 600, yeah. Um, then came the flood. So this would have been about 2,400 BCE. Okay. Came the Great Flood. Yeah. Okay, the capital F flood. Right. Evidence does exist that somewhere about 3000 BCE, there were likely drastic floods of the Euphrates in Samaria. Okay. Likely accompanied by a sudden rise in water level. Sure. And um, that would have been of the Persian Gulf. Mm-hmm. And perhaps a large meteorite could have formed a huge tidal wave. Yep. So you've got all the rains, you've got the flood, you've got the tidal wave, and that would have swept the people upstream northwest toward Ararat. Got it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'll get into that in a second. Okay. Um, but that's likely... That again, would make sense. The people of that time, the world is flooded. Right. You know, there sure. is a great flood. Yeah. Now, now we're going to talk about, um, but one family survived. Okay. Right? Yeah. So the flood story is likely based on a Sum- the Sumerian story of Gilgamesh. Okay. Which I think we all kind of... Have heard of that before. Right. Um, he was the king of the Akkadian town Erech. Okay. Erech. Um, and he searches, Gilgamesh searches for eternal life and he finds it with Utnepishtim. Yeah, that guy. Who was king of a Sumerian city at the time of the flood. Okay. Okay. So 
um, Gilgamesh goes on to um, retrieve the secret of eternal life, um, gets all the things that he would need to acquire it, but then through some other series of tragedies loses it and obviously doesn't Dies. attain right. eternal life. But be that as it may, that story precedes our Bible story of the flood. Got it. Okay. Okay. So clearly came from that, sure. as did many Bible stories. Yeah. So a lot of people today um, think that Ararat was a specific mountain range because that's where uh, in the Bible it says that Noah's Ark yeah. came to rest on Mount Ararat. Right, right. But it was a region, not a specific mountain range. Ah, okay. okay. And it's referred to several different times in the Bible as an area or a kingdom or a land, not a specific mountain. Got it. Um, it's likely Urartu, Urartu, okay. a kingdom during Assyrian times among the mountains of the Tigris and Euphrates in current eastern Turkey. Okay. So somewhere in that area is a bunch of mountain ranges. Sure. And um, that city, Ur Urartu, ceased to exist by 612 BCE due to Assyrian attacks. Okay. Okay. But... Assyrians, likewise, were simultaneously being destroyed by the Persians, who called that area Armenia. Okay. Okay? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the modern Mount Ararat consists of two ranges, the Great Ararat and the Little Ararat. And tradition incorrectly fixes Noah's Ark as resting on Great Ararat, and there are several expeditions sent to that mountain yeah. periodically to try to dig up the sure. ark. But they're probably not even looking on the right fucking mountain because they're basically stupid. Right, right. And didn't even do the littlest bit of research that we are doing, which is sad because we are <laughs> dum-dums. Right. So now as I'm flipping through my notes, yeah. you will see, what do you see, my dear husband? I see uh, Noah's Descendants, Table of Nations. Yeah. I had to print out, separate from my notes, a list of Noah's Descendants because I was getting so fucking confused. Oh, we were confused when we read it. Yeah. yeah. So Noah's Descendants, his three sons are Japheth, Shem, and Ham. Right. Okay. Yep. And then Japheth, I'm sorry, Japheth had several people who had more people. Yep. Shem had people who had more people, and then Ham had people who had more people. Right. Um, you said that it's referred to as the Table of Nations. This is specifically where it starts to count as tribes and peoples and countries and nations. Gotcha. Not individual persons. Yeah. By the okay. yeah, by the time you get down to the bottom, I see the the ites and stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, so here's where it gets a little bit confusing, but we're gonna confusing. <laughs> we're gonna do the best that we can. Okay. Okay. Yep. So next section is number sixteen, Ham, page forty-two. Okay. Okay. So Noah's sons again were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And actually, I've been pronouncing Japheth wrong oh. because the J is a Y. So it's Yafeth. Ah. Okay. Um, that matters later. Okay. Okay. So just keep that All right. in the back of your brain. Got it. Okay. So Shem's descendants occupied 
the Arabian Peninsula and northern regions, including the Tigris-Euphrates region. Sure. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to break each of these kids down, each of these three kids of Noah, um, down into what they actually represent. Okay. okay. So Shem was in the Arabian Peninsula. Shem equals Sem, and that is the Semitic peoples. Okay. Okay. Yep. And the languages include Hebrew, Assyrian, Aramanian, and Arabic. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ham is considered the father of Canaan, mm-hmm. and his descendants occupied the corner of Africa adjacent to Asia. Okay. And the peoples are Hamitic, as opposed to Semitic. Got it. We've got Hamitic. Got it. Okay. Yep. The languages are Coptic, Berber languages of North Africa. And Ethiopian languages like um, Amharic. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yafeth's descendants occupied regions north and east of the Tigris-Euphrates region. And those peoples are referred to as Japhetic or Yafetic. Right. Um, Those languages are obscure northern mountainous regions of the Caucasus, ancient Persian, and most Indian and European languages, which are now referred to as Indo-European. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I know that that was all boring, but it I promise it, it comes back and it, it's interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to read a quote here from Asimov's book. Quote, some moderns seem to think that Ham, which was the Hamitic languages, Represents the Negro peoples and that this chapter can be used to justify Negro slavery. This is the purest piffle. Neither Ham, Canaan, nor any of their named descendants were viewed as Negroes by the biblical writers. Right. Okay. And I specifically wanted to point that out because today we still view that, not we, me and you, but many people today do view... um, ham as an excuse for slavery and asimov is here to say absolutely fucking not right right that, so, that makes sense i just wanted to make sure yeah yeah and apologies for any um offensive use there of of a word that that i'm not familiar or comfortable saying right um i was reading the quote and i felt it was important in what he was saying was to negate that belief. Right, right. So, okay. um, was not trying to be in any way insulting to anybody there. Right, okay. Um, I just, yeah. Nope, nope, you got it. Um, next section, number 17, page 45. Okay. Um, the, Yafes. <laughs> you had to correct yeah. yourself there. But. I did. Blah, 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 blah. Yafeth. Yep. He is the ancestor of the Greeks, often identified with Yapetus. Okay. And um, in Greek myth, Yapetus was a titan and was the father of Prometheus, hmm. who fathered the human race by molding them from clay. <clears throat> by molding them from clay. Right, right, right. Right. That was one of the... Um, Early versions of how... Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You got Interesting. it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, Yafeth fathered Gomer, Magog, Madai, Yavan, Tubal. We've heard that name before. Yeah. Meshech and Tiris. Okay? Yep. 
Um, this is why I had to print out that chart because these names, I'm like, wait, who are we with now? <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about Yafeth's child, Gomer. Okay. Gomer is related to Gomeri. Sure. Or the Sumerians, not Sumerians, the Sumerians with a C okay. I, not S U. Sumerians. Okay. Um. He who were wounded, who wounded the Assyrians. Okay, they didn't defeat them, but they fought them, and and they did a good job of hurting them. Got it. Um, he fathered Ashkenaz, Rifath, and Togarma. Who cares? Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Again, these are peoples, though, not persons. Right. Okay? Yep. Ashkenaz is the Assyrian Ashguza, which are the Scythians, the okay. nomadic tribes who drove the Sumerians, C.I., into Asia Minor. Okay. Magog, the land of Gog, or the Gygs, ruled the Lydians in Western Asia Minor, and they died in battle against the C.I. Sumerians. Okay. Okay. Madai is the Medes, inhabited the territory east of Assyria. Okay. So these, again, I just can't say this enough. These are not individual people. Right. These are entire civilizations that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yavon... Or Javon is what I've always said, but it's Yavon. Um, was from the Greek Ion or Yon. Okay. And he's from the Yononian Greeks. And they migrated east to occupy islands in the Aegean Sea and coasts of Asia Minor. Okay. And father the following. Elijah, which is from the Greek Alashaya. And that represents the island of Cyprus. Hmm. Okay. He also fathered Tarnish, which is a city in Spain, or else the Greek town Tarsus, which is 100 miles north of Cyprus on the southern coast of Asia Minor. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Also, Kitim, which is Greek Kidian or Latin Sidium, which is the city on southern coast of Cyprus. Okay. So... We're naming off different, um, when we say that Noah fathered these nations. Right. That's he fathered these cities, basically. Yeah. And that's these... literally what they're saying. Like, Got it. This is a tribe of nations, not sons. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And one final one, Dodanim, which is Rodanim, which is the island of Rhodes, 200 miles west of Cyrus. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now... Um, we're going back up to another, you know what, who even cares who's related to whom at this point? Right. Um, it doesn't matter, honestly, in the long run, because if you were really interested in this chart, you could print it out. I went on Google and just searched for yeah. um, Noah's tribes sure. or right. um, Noah's ancestry or descendants. Right, and they've already got them out there. They've already got them out there. Right. So Tubal represents the tribes in Asia Minor. Okay. Meshech represents tribes in Asia Minor. And Tyrus represents tribes in Asia Minor, the Greek Tyrosoi who migrated to Italy and likely were the Etruscans. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Last section. All right. 
Number 18, Cush, page 47. Okay. Ham's sons were Cush, who are the Ethiopians south of Egypt, Put, which are the Libyans, mm-hmm. Mizraim, which are the Egyptians, and Canaan, which, you right, know, yeah. the Canaanites. Sure. Another contradiction is that Cush is also described just further down the same page as father of the Arabian tribes. Okay. So, what the fuck, Cush? Um, it's unclear if there are two Cushes or if he was misnamed or what. What's interesting to me, the they're naming off the tribes that are kind of like in Africa, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And so, but when in the Bible, later on, they're fighting Canaanites up in Israel. Right. Which is closer to not Africa. I mean, it's I guess it's close enough to Africa. Well, but it's still... I think that we're used to viewing the map as, quote-unquote, up there. Right. And they're naming places, quote-unquote, down there. Right, right. And we just have to change our frame of reference. Sure. Yeah, Africa doesn't necessarily mean... Like, they didn't know what a continent was back then, right? right. So it was just an area in this general area. Right. And so. this would have been all... Um, in regards to where the cradle of life, you know, where civilization is said to have sprung from. So it makes total sense. Yeah, it does. Having come out of Africa. Yep. So that is it for this section of the Bible. You'll be very excited to know that I stopped right before Nimrod. Oh, man. Nimrod. That is literally the next one that we'll cover. That is very exciting to me. Um, If you are reading along and want to play this game with me, next time I'll be covering pages 48 through 65 in um, still the book of Genesis in Asimov's Guide to the Bible. And those sections will be Nimrod, Aram, Babel, Ur of the Chaldees, Haran, Canaan, Egypt, and Pharaoh. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week with the next book club. Alrighty. All right. Bye. Hey, wife, I guess that's the end. But husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Ooh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? Head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.